We love you so much today, Jesus. We believe that you can break off every chain of injustice. We believe that you can break off every chain of sin in our lives. You can break off everything that the enemy has put upon us. May we live out free lives today. May we live with your justice today. May we live with your love and compassion today. May we never be the same again. Never, never, never the same again. We thank you for letting us gather here today. In the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Let's bless the Lord for chains being broken. You may be seated. Thank you, band. This is the first time since we have been back that we are meeting lawfully in the church. Can we give it up for Jesus in this place? Amen. We fought for our rights and our rights were restored to us by the Supreme Court. Thank you. Because of what you did, we had a case go all the way to the Supreme Court. You brought freedom, Metro Praise International, to the churches of Illinois. Now we have exactly what Indiana had, which is what we prophesied at the beginning by coming back. No restrictions, only guidelines. And yet, though we don't have enforced restrictions, we're still willing to do the guidelines. Can I hear an amen to that? And so we are following the CDC guidelines. Thank you so much for being here. I don't know about you, but my heart has been broken over the last few days. You know when I get sassy on Facebook, something's going on. So if you've been following me there, you know what's happening. My heart is broken for our nation. Most of you, this is uh, very new. Those of you who are a little bit older might remember the Rodney King riots. And even if you're older than that, you might remember the Watts riots and other things like that. It's nothing, there's nothing new to rioting and looting and all of these things. But what is so unique during this time is that we all, as a culture, through social media, were on the side of justice. White, black, Asian, police officers, military, everybody who had seen the injustice done to George Floyd was calling out for justice. Can I hear an amen to that? I mean, unless there was some Ku Klux Klan member somewhere that, you know, didn't get any attention, I'm telling you, everything I saw on Facebook, especially even in our church, was this was wrong. The police officer who knelt on him for eight minutes was, was a monster. There was no reason for that. The four or the three others that stood by, monsters, those of us who watched the video were heartbroken. I mean, I couldn't even watch the whole thing. I had to watch a part of it stop, fast forward, get what was going on until I saw this precious person die. And so I don't know about you, but at, at that point, I'm like, this is it. I mean, whatever needs to be done justly will be done. And then all of a sudden, the riots, well, they might have started as protests, but before I could even understand what had happened, I got clued into the riots. So you might have seen it as a protest in Minneapolis, but I didn't even get the chance to see it as a protest. The moment I saw what was happening next was the riots. And then I woke up the following morning and I saw that the city was on fire. Now, I have been to Minneapolis many times. I love the Twin Cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis. And I've actually worked in the inner city of Minneapolis, done a lot of work there, uh, predominantly in the African-American community. 
And it was just heartbreaking. But what was even more heartbreaking to me as what we have witnessed in other times is that instead of this time good people, sensical people saying that this is not about justice anymore, this is about revenge, I saw people in the church beginning to defend this. And that was new to me. If I could just follow you through the timeline of my Facebook, when I had woke up and I saw that it was rioting and looting, I simply put out a, a Facebook that said, just so we're all on the same page, this is not about justice anymore. And I just wanted the basic amen crowd of the church to be like, hey, we know that's not right. Uh, and, and some of you might have even remembered during the time of Ferguson, there was always a distinction between the rioters and the protesters. And it was just clear, you know, you protest, but you don't riot. That's not what we're about. But I was shocked. I was shocked to see responses from pastors and Christians and leaders that we just needed this to have space. We needed this to be a part of their grieving and their mourning. And I don't have to be a prophet to know where this was going. You don't have to be a prophet. But eventually, there was over 200 businesses destroyed, communities destroyed, and what I began to realize, sadly, and I don't want to be conspiratorial, is what I began to realize, oh, here we go again, just like with the pandemic, here's another political divide. You see most of the conservatives, whether they're Republican or independent, it doesn't matter, but most of those who agree with conservative policies were standing back, African Americans, Latinos, even mayors of other cities, as, as you might have seen, are going, what in the world are we doing? This cannot be acceptable. And then on the other side, the extremists, those on the left, those that were more democratic, were beginning to applaud this. And then sadly, they even had to eat back some of their words as I saw Democratic mayors, even like ours and in Atlanta, pleading with the people, stop. And it was something how when I had brought up Martin Luther King Jr., I was looked at like some kind of racist, like as if I had brought out some Klansman's advice of what oppressed people are to do. And yet I was quoting King himself. And even sourcing his writings on what he talked about on his pilgrimage to nonviolence in his book, A Stride Towards Freedom. And, and I was being mocked and ridiculed. We tried, King. We tried. It doesn't work. And if you start to read the chapter that I was referencing, King himself said, I have seen lynchings go uncondemned. I have seen judges turn their backs on us. I have seen racism applauded. And he says, yet I I have come to the conclusion that it is not through violence that we achieve our goals or destroying communities, but we win the hearts and minds, and he lists out his principles. And so today, I want to let you know that when we were under oppression, not in the same way, but in a different way, which was still important, when we were under oppression, how did we handle our problems? What were we known as? They put the word defiance upon us, but what was the words and the terms we used? Passive resistance. Where did I get that from? From people like Dr. King. And so today I'm calling out for all of these injustices in this nation to be resisted with nonviolence and for us to take a stand on righteousness and not to abandon Martin Luther King Jr.'s tactics that I have also adopted as a pastor, that you would join with me because I do believe there are injustices. 
And this is just one of them. There are multiple ones that have been going on. And if you have not, I would encourage you to listen to the panel discussion that I had with two African-American leaders from the civil rights movement. They're that, they're that mature in the Lord. And another young lady who even got arrested yesterday for preaching against abortion. Lord willing, she'll be in our second service. And I just want you to listen to the voices because the, the idea that somehow one color of skin, uh, a color of skin may makes a voice uniform is not true. People who are white are not speaking for me. I hope that people aren't Latino are just, you know, you're just letting them speak for you. And African-American should not do that either. Don't look at somebody's skin color and then say they speak for me. No, let the word of God, let what their words be, be said according to the word of God speak for you. Make sure you test everyone by the word of God, including what I'm saying. Amen. So let's talk about injustice, the consequences, uh, the consequences of a godless society. Turn with me to the book of Judges. The injustices we see today are the consequences of a godless society. These are on the notes right here. Uh, if you would go down, my brother, you're going the wrong direction. That's the introduction. Those are King's methods. Uh, if you just scroll back up, you missed it. It's in the book of Judges. Thank you. Judges chapter 21 verse 25 says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. How many feel like we're in those times right now? Where everyone is doing what they see fit. We're not seeing people with a Christian worldview govern or lead our land. It seems as if people have thrown off the restraints of Christianity and are now doing whatever they want. And I don't want to equate Christianity with America. America hasn't always done Christian things. But we do have a unique history of allowing Christianity to be, to be the basis for many things that we do. And let me just say this respectfully to all of our cultures. I came from Poland, my people a few generations ago, Italy. We have a lot, a lot of Latin Americans here, Asians, Africans. Listen to me. All of us need to tip our hat to America for ending slavery while all of our nations still did it. The Latinos enslaving each other during the Mayans and the Aztecs. I know people want to say, oh, that's so different. That's so di No, it was slavery. You didn't want to be ruled by the Mayans. I don't care what you've been taught in your uh, indigenous class. You would not want to be ruled by the Mayans. Trust me. You would not want to be ruled by the Aztecs. And then during the time of the American Civil War in South Africa, Shaka Zulu was enslaving his own people. And how many know that slavery? Slavery still exists today in many nations. In Africa, there are nations still enslaving each other. In the Middle East, in Asia, China built almost all of its dynasties on slavery and so forth. But America has a unique response to slavery. People of the same race killed each other upwards of 600,000 to free another race. Think about that. That's unique to our history. You can think of people fighting other oppressors to free themselves, but America is very unique that it fought its own people to free another people. Doesn't make everything they did afterwards right, but it's something how easily we forget. 
Then we look to the time of the Jim Crow era and then when segregation was popularized until the civil rights movement. It was the church leaders during that time that integrated their services. It was Bible colleges that would integrate into the society the different kinds of cultures. I'm not saying the church has always done it right, but if you study your history, the church has had a voice in justice issues. When it came to the civil rights, some of the things that we admire, as we were talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and so forth, these were Christians. Most of the leaders were Christians, had Christian worldviews. So let me ask you a question now. Let me ask you a question. In 2020, are we more Christian or less Christian than we were in 1950? Less Christian. I know sometimes people want to say, well, Dr. Martin Luther King didn't get it all done. We still have things to do. I get that. But let's just look at the things that have changed since Martin Luther King Jr. till now, from the 50s and 60s till now. How many black mayors were around during King's time compared to now? How many black politicians, police chiefs, how many law enforcement were African-American compared to then to now? How many African-Americans were billionaires, millionaires, uh, you know, CEO moguls and all of these uh, positions? of power. How many were back then compared to now? So many more now compared to then. But guess what? What has changed is the worldview. What do we have now that King never had? We have a sports and entertainment culture that worships money. Come on, let's not get quiet. I say we have a sports and entertainment culture that worships money. We have the wickedness of abortion, killing more minorities than anything that happens right now. More than they kill themselves in, in gangs and violence, more than they are killed by the police. You need to get woke to this. And what about the white, the Anglo? And we'll leave out the Latinos and Asians right now, but let's just talk about the white and Anglo. What was it like to live in the 50s and 60s? Well, before the sexual revolution and Woodstock and all of that, watch Leave it to Beaver. What were the Anglos and the African-Americans both doing? Having families, having marriages, living together in homes that were based upon morals. You talk to Pastor Thomas Gross living in the South in the 50s. You talk to my parents living here in the South Side in the 50s. Almost identical, though different cultures, not saying it was a right because there was a lot of things with segregation that we're going to get dealt with. But if you look at the generation just 50, 60, 70 years ago, have we changed for the better or have we changed for the worst? Could it then be that since we have taken off the restraints of our Christian worldview, it doesn't now matter how many African-American millionaires, billionaires we have. It doesn't matter how many uh, police officers we have that are African-American. Those things they fought for then, we have now, but it doesn't matter because we don't have the worldview that they had then. In other words, how many African-Americans died in the 50s and 60s due to gang violence? Why are they dying now in 2020 to gang violence? If every life is worth what we're seeing George Floyd go through, then why weren't the nine lives that we saw in the hood vindicated with 200 businesses being burned down in Chicago inner city? It's a hypocrisy, isn't there? The worldview is not the same. Why is it the African-American woman who's traveling now from New Jersey to be here, then to go up to Minneapolis, I interviewed her yesterday, she got arrested for protesting in front of an abortion clinic, which is responsible for more deaths, more deaths in one month than probably all the gangs combined or all the police violence combined. She was arrested because she was told she didn't belong there. 
and yet people are burning down cities and hardly any being arrested. Seems like there's a double standard, doesn't it? It seems like as we're trying to settle the issues outside of us, we're not getting as far as they once did because we don't know how to settle the issues inside of us. It seems like the civil rights movement and the other movements that have led the way have showed us how to change culture, but we're missing an important part of their message, and that is that we have to be changed first here. I wonder how many of those protesting and burning down our stores and, and burning down police officers, I wonder how many of them have looked at themselves and seen whether or not they're following the commands of God for a happy and safe community. I wonder if they've looked inwardly and seen whether or not they've contributed to the problems or to the solution. How can I be a part of the solution if I'm helping entertainers make millions of dollars talking about disrespecting women and being violent and doing drugs? How can I be a part of that uh, answer to that problem when I'm the one supporting it? How can I? I can't be. You see, today we are a hypocritical justice warrior community. Oh, we get mad at Trump for what he's done wrongly to women. And we all would agree he has been a vile person. And yet MTV, dating myself, or YouTube music videos have men and women doing it the entire time. Oh, they're willing. They're willing to do it. Yeah, but it's still exploitation. It's still disrespecting of the human body. And so often you follow these people in their lives. There are charges of rape. I mean, just follow Art Kelly. There are charges of abusing of their power. And yet we're all saying we don't support this one because he did it. But yeah, we still listen to R. Kelly because you know what? That's different. No, it's not. We're just hypocrites about it now. We say, oh, stereotyping is wrong. It's wrong to stereotype. Don't stereotype me as a Latina. Don't stereotype me as a, as a black person. Don't stereotype me as an Asian. But I have the right to stereotype every police officer. All 600,000, I have the right to stereotype. So many of my woke pastor friends were saying, we just need to listen more. We just need to listen more. Okay, put on a police uniform, stand in front of the Nike store on Michigan Avenue, and listen more then. See how far that's getting you right now. These police officers, many of them good, godly, outstanding citizens, are standing between looters and stores and looters and the businesses, and we're being told that this now is about grief and just listen to them. Ridiculous. Of course, there's a difference between a protester and a rioter. A rioter. Can't you see it? How many know the difference between them? And yet now we're supposed to assume that this is all the same. It's not the same. In the time of Judges, Moses had passed. A great leader had passed. Joshua, his understudy, had passed. And now what they were left with were just these kind of dim-witted, half-moral, half-crazy, somewhat powerful judges, and they could never really bring justice. You follow the life of Samson. That guy was, a, was an adulterous-type person, fornicator, perverted, looking out only for himself. He was considered the judge of that time, but he wasn't no good. 
I mean, he helped a little bit, but he caused a whole lot of problems. Maybe only the few that were really outstanding was the one that was a female. And I love that about that. Uh, Her name was Deborah, and there really is no fault against her. But she didn't last long enough. And so what we see is because Israel did not have a leader or have someone doing what was right as an example, everyone then just did whatever they wanted. I think it's time for us as the church to be the examples again in the culture. I think if there's going to be justice movements, they should be coming from the culture, uh, from the church, not the culture. I think if we're going to start asking for justice to be done to police officers or justice to be done in the gangs or justice to be done in our politics, it should be coming from the church. When we stood up against our state to meet again, do you know that all the small business owners were able to have more confidence and to feel a sense of security. Why? Because the church was going to bat for them. Because if we were not afraid to peaceably assemble here, because we come first in the First Amendment, then I could see them posting. They were saying, if the church is willing to go and reopen, we need to go and reopen. And they saw the connection. I pray that people in our culture, again, see the connection between justice and freedom and all that we want in this culture and the church. And you might say, well, what about separation of church and state? I absolutely agree with you. We are not to control the state, and the state is not to control the church. But as Martin Luther King Jr. said, the church is the conscience of the state. We should help them know the difference between right and wrong. And so so those who say, well, you shouldn't vote according to your religion. They vote according to their religion, which is secular humanism. They vote according to their religion, which is the love of the mighty dollar. They bow down and worship it. Yes, we should vote according to our conscience, according to the word of God. And instead of having political uh, 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 times where we only choose between the worst, uh, the best of both evils, the best, uh, the less of two evils, we should be able to have people we can really stand behind. Let's look at this quote here from the founding father. When we see what they went through, and once again, I'm not saying that it was all right, but they taught us a lot of principles and we ought to remember them in these times. Patrick Henry said, it is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. It's something how everybody makes Che Guevara, Fidel Castro their heroes until you talk to somebody who lived in Cuba. Fidel Castro was not a hero for Cubans. He imprisoned his own people. He robbed and stole from those who had worked hard. And we have people here in our church that are descendants of those who escaped from Cuba. And Cuba today is still limited by a little coupon book to get their food. Why? Because tyrants, like we see down, down, uh, downtown looting, tyrants took over the state, took over the country, and said, we'll offer you something better. But no, those tyrants were worse than what they had. Study out a lot of those revolutions. Hardly any of them turn out to be the American Revolution or better than the American Revolution. Why? Because the American Revolution handed the power back over to the people, but Fidel Castro kept the power, didn't he? George Washington said, I don't want to be like a king. Let's limit the, the length of time a president can actually be in office. But you see these dictators, whether they're in China, and learn about their revolutions and how they took over. Read about the ones in Latin America, and they take over, and they never give back their power. Why? Because they looked like a freedom fighter until they got in control. Then they became a tyrant. 
No different than Nazi Germany and other places. And of course, there are some that are crazy bad tyrants, and there are those that are not so bad tyrants. But nonetheless, what happens when people forget God, tyrants say, okay, I'm stepping in. Okay, I'll step in. You Christians don't want to handle social justice. We'll step in. We'll come in and we'll take over your cities. We'll burn down your businesses. There was a business owner in Minneapolis, African-American. They didn't care that he was African-American. They, they destroyed it and they came back while he was still there and tried to break into his safe. Praise God that people around the country saw that. They've almost donated close to a million dollars to him. He was a fireman, is a fireman, African-American business owner, and they had no problem tearing down his business. So it wasn't about color anymore, was it? And Martin Luther King Jr. talked about this all the time. It's not really white or black or, or any of these races because India has had their issues, and he learned a lot from Gandhi, and they were all Indian. He said it's not about the color. What it really is is those who are on the side of justice and those who are on the side of injustice. Let's go to the next quote. One of our founding fathers, just click the, the arrow, please. If you go to the keyboard and click arrow, it will do it. Thank you. One more. Go back. Did you refresh this? Go back. There's another one that you have to refresh it. I want to give you another uh, a quote from our founding father because when we look to all the things that we've been through, we cannot say that these people did not know it for us if you just refresh it, my brother. You have to refresh. Thank you. Now, now you can go up. There you go. Go down. Go down for me. Go down. Ah, I thought it was there. Somebody grab my laptop. I want to get this quote out. Here's a key. Would you do that for me, please? Thank you, sir. All right. It's on yours? Thank you. Uh, brother, you have to refresh it or do something because it's on theirs. I don't know why it's not on ours. Thank you. Look at what John Adams said. Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Thank you, my brother. How can we have a Constitution rule people? You can't. It's just a piece of paper. When you're dealing with tyrants or people that are acting tyrannical, what is a Constitution going to do to stop them? Nothing. A police officer won't stop them. A military force won't stop them unless they're shot dead. But what kind of person takes serious a constitution or a set of laws? What kind of person will do that? A godly person, a Christian kind of person. And when I'm talking about Christianity, I'm not talking about hypocritical Christianity. I'm talking about Christianity that truly believes we are to obey God and submit to rulers when they do what is right. But why is it our Constitution's not being honored? What's one of the rights of our Constitution? To a fair trial. My friends, if we would have threw out, or those police officers would have threw out that police officer to the crowd, what do you think they would have done to them? Done to him or done to those police officers? They would have done vigilante justice. And vigilante justice is anti the Constitution. Oh, but this person deserves it. The moment we disregard our Constitution, we are disregarding the very rights that all of us hold sacred. Don't you hold sacred the freedom of speech? Don't you hold sacred the, the freedom of religion? Don't you believe 
that these things, I'm not saying they were given to us by angels or by perfect people, but don't you believe that these things were given to us to help govern us in a holy nation, that you could be a Christian here and do those things? And yet people were willing to say, we don't need a fair trial. We saw the video, kill them now. How many know in a few days or a few weeks or months or years, they can make a CGI video of you doing something and kill you the next day? How many have already seen some of those things on Jimmy Kimmel or those different shows? Uh, not the one Jimmy Kimmel. What's the other guy? Yes. What's his name? Jimmy Fallon. Thank you. How many know that Jimmy Fallon had a comedian on there, and when he was doing the voices, they changed the face? Did anybody see that? He did the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they changed his face to look just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Don't look it up now. Look it up later. You say, but it was on video. It was on video. Yeah, but the point of having a fair trial is to make sure that videos aren't corrupted, to make sure that someone has adequate res, uh, um, representation, to make sure that a thing is done right. We may say it should have been done overnight, convict them now, judge them now. But how can we say that when we're people who believe in the Bill of Rights? So let's burn a city down until we get what we want. Is that justice? Of course not. You can't have justice when you are doing the exact opposite of justice. Get my laptop, please. Somebody get my podium. I'm going to help you out, my brother. We're going to do a screen share here. Hook it up to Apple TV. I need my notes. Thank you. Today, you and I have a choice to make. Do we want to be ruled by the godly standards of our culture and society? Because I don't see anything wrong with the Constitution according to the Scripture. I don't see anything wrong with wanting a fair trial. I don't see anything wrong with wanting those things that we demand in life to be given to us, like freedom of speech and those things. You know, it's right to demand them. How many believe if somebody tried to take away your freedom of speech, it would be right for you to demand it? How many believe if somebody killed someone that was innocent, it would be right for you to demand it? How many know that protesting? Thank you. Thank you. And go to the Apple TV. We'll screen share, please, and thank you. How many believe that it's right for you to protest when you don't like something? You believe that, don't you? So then why should we do something wrong today against justice and at the same time ask for justice? As we see the Lady Liberty stand for justice, it would be like you slapping her in the face and then saying, I demand you give me justice. And as you're slapping her in the face, you keep asking her for your justice. We are not to sin against justice while we're asking for justice. What we are to do as Christians is stand for justice, stand for righteousness as we are asking for righteousness, as we are asking for justice. When we see that God has given us tests as a culture, we've had to respond by that way if we've ever moved forward. Let's just think about it. I was talking to some people and they were saying, no, 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 we're done with king. We're done with protest." We're going to ride and loot. Okay, do you understand what you have just said? You have just said, I am no longer a citizen of the United States of America. I am a combatant of war. When they fire at me, I am no longer innocent. See? 
Oh, well, what about, what about the tea party? What about all these different t- times when we did it? Yes, and we went to war. We renounced our British citizenship and we took up arms and fought tyranny. Is that what you're saying as you're robbing the, the, the target, as you're robbing the Nikes? Is that what you're saying? You're now a combatant of war. We can shoot you now. You are the equivalent to us as the 9-11 hijackers. Is that what we're saying? No, that's not what they want, is it? What they want is to be able to be unjust and to sin against justice and ask for justice at the same time. And they don't get to do that. Would you bring up the remote here for me, please? You don't get to do that. You don't get to ask for the right of an American, the Bill of Rights, while you're sinning against the Bill of Rights. And so I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? Because as for me in my house, I am not going to tolerate injustice and allow my American culture that I came to know and love via my friends and family coming here and what it's been built upon because people here do not want to value those principles. How many of you would take up arms and defend a police officer today over over allowing looters to destroy your city? How many of you would do exactly what the Second Amendment was put there for to form a militia around your neighbor's business and say, you don't cross this line. You don't cross this line. This business had nothing to do with your injustice. But you see, today we all want to act like, well, we need to give this time. We need to give this space. No, that's not true, my friends. It needs to be shut down, and it needs to be shut down now. If you don't want to be apprehended by the National Guard, then stop breaking into our stores. Then stop stealing from our businesses. And the idea that is, oh, well, rich people, the rich people, they have all of this, so it's our right to do it. The insurance will pay for it. That is a devil's lie. There are things insurance doesn't even pay for. Lost wages and things like that can be difficult to get from insurances and the time that it takes. Are we supposed to let our brothers and sisters suffer because someone else wants to have a grievance with someone in a different state? Are we to let them, our brothers and sisters suffer because of that? That is unchristian. Defend what is right. Can I hear an amen? amen. Defend what is right. You can maybe have the notes. I'm waiting for this to come up, but follow along on the app. When we look to the scriptures, we see that justice is key to what God was doing in his people's lives. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 2. Justice is not just a theme that we have on a bad day and we're upset because of people doing us wrong. Justice is something we have to live by every day, something we have to come to the the scriptures with and say, what does God teach us? about justice. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 1. What does the Bible say? Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. How many know that there is a time to stand up to unjust laws. And if this is a time of unjust laws, we need to stand up to it. 
But in this situation particularly, what was unjust in the law? What was unjust in the law of George Floyd? There was no injustice yet in the law. Someone had their rights violated and people were fired and then they were charged and court dates are being set according to our Bill of Rights. What unjust law says police officers can kill innocent African Americans? What law can we even change today to make sure that that doesn't happen? There is no law that allows that to happen. There were laws like that during the time of the Jim Crow era. There was laws like that that protected lynchers. There was laws that needed to change that didn't consider an African-American a whole person. I understand that. But my friends, when we deal with unjust laws, we have to deal with them according to justice. So right now, the African-American, the Latino, the minority dying in abortion clinics because they get away with murder. Do I believe that's a just law? Absolutely not. And that itself is a law. They have been given a law to do that. So what do I do now even in the face of an unjust law with the wickedness of abortion? What do I do? I try to change the law. Do I, do I promote going down to the abortion clinic and burning it down today? Taking doctors out of their offices and beating them? Do I now support vigilante justice? Of course not. So someone may say, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. The first thing is when you say that is I understand you don't understand. You don't think I understand injustice because of the color of my skin. You, my friend, are a racist. And I've heard somebody say, well, that's reverse racism. It's not the same when white people are racist. No, you're stupid. Murder is murder no matter who does it. Racism is racism no matter who does it. I'm a human being made in the image of God. I understand injustice. I'm not saying I understand what it's like to walk in an African-American shoes, nor do you know what it's like to walk in my shoes. But we can all understand injustice. But here's the thing. You have a problem with murder. I have a problem with murder. Yours is with a police officer. Mine is with abortion. Do I now have the right? Do I now have the right to disregard your First Amendment, your Bill of Rights out of my disagreement with abortion and get to hunt you down, shoot you, kill you, burn you down? Of course not. We would call that criminal, wouldn't we? But why is it today we have a different standard? Because people really don't want to stand against injustice. What they want to do is stand for revenge. And they want to stand for sin. Does everybody see that? They want to stand for sin. Go with me now to Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. How many know that there's a lot of sinners in this world that don't care about justice? They act like they care about justice, but they're really sinful. This is the weirdest day. I cannot get onto your network right now. So would you go back, please? Uh, go back to what you can do to put up scriptures because we're past that point now. Just the internet's down in general. Well, then that's, that would make sense. Can we just put up uh, our screen that's going to have to look at Apple here? Thank you. 
Well, that would make sense to why everything wasn't working. Let's give it up for our sound men. They're good. Amen. That would make sense. Look at the book of Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. I love what the one African-American girl said yesterday. She said, I'll know how much you stand for justice by how much you stand against abortion. I've had people tell me that's not an important issue. Let me ask you a question. If slavery was on the ballot this year with your politicians and the people that you're going to vote for, if slavery was actually on the ballot, would you care what they believed about anything else? Would you say, you know what, I'm going to overlook their slavery. I'm going to overlook the fact that they want to own slaves because, you know, they have a good stance on immigration. They're going to enslave African Americans, but they're going to let a lot of my hente come over. I'm going to overlook that. How many would say, to hell with that? How many know if they said, you know what, we're going to give you free health insurance. We're going to give you all this, but we're still going to own black slaves. That, we're going, that's what we're going to do. It's not that big of a deal. We'll own the black slaves. You don't necessarily have to, but we'll make sure as a promise to you, we'll give you all free health care. Would you still vote for that person? How in the world then can Christians vote for people who are pro-abortion, who are responsible for upwards of a million deaths a year, and then go, well, I just care about other things. I care about, you know, I'm not a one-issue voter. I bet you if slavery was on there, you would be a one-issue voter. You see how quickly we act as if we don't understand things. We know abortion's a sin. I'll put up the pictures right now and horrify all of us. We know it's wicked and unjust, but yet we are so conditioned. We are so conditioned in our mind that this is not a justice issue anymore. This is not a justice issue. This is just what conservatives use to try to think they're better than us. What a lie from the pit of hell. To think in our culture we can legalize murdering people by the thousands and then call that a human right. Not your body, not your choice. It's not your body either, and it's not your choice. Two bodies go into an abortion clinic, only one leaves. What don't you understand about biology? It's a justice issue for that person. It's a justice issue for that person. Unless we forgot what that is inside of you. Is it an alien? Are you Sigourney Weaver and we need to extract an alien, a parasite out of you? I've even heard people say that wicked language. That is a person. And I speak to everyone listening to me. If you don't want the person in your womb, my family and other families will adopt that person. We will love that person. Do not murder that person out of your inconvenience or for your convenience. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Look at what Jesus says. Look at what Jesus talked about these times. He said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. You see, that's why we don't have justice. And I get it when I talk to African Americans or people of color. I get that you're upset that there's a lot of Anglo people, people like me who don't care about your causes. I get that. You know why they don't care about your cause? Because they have a hard heart. That's why. And you want to know why you don't care about two elderly people on Memorial Day going to a cemetery to visit their lost son in war, getting shot by a sniper, African-American? You want to know why you don't care about that? It's because your heart is hard. We're all picking the things that we want to care about, aren't we? Because there was a police officer just killed the other day. 
and how many criminals kill police officers, but we never value that life the same. Why? Because we always say, well, you know, that's their job. That's the risk that they're taking. What in the world? I thought a life was a life. I thought a life equaled 170 buildings. I I thought that's what it was. Now we're changing up. Oh, if it's your job to defend others and you die, we don't get upset about that. Oh, then they'll say, but then the criminals get arrested, so it's not really a, a thing of injustice. The criminals in this case, the police were getting arrested. Did you want to be the judge, the trial, the jury in one? How do we know whether or not we're being just? We go back to the scriptures. How do we know whether or not our heart is right? By going to the scriptures. And if there are laws that are giving those three men, the other ones, a way out because only one now has been arrested, let's change those laws. Because if you can sit there and watch your partner put his knee on on a man's back that you have already handcuffed and have on the floor, I want you held responsible more than whatever law is there right now. I want you held responsible just as if four people tied up someone and killed them in a basement. Are you listening to me? And I love our law enforcement, but I'm tired of seeing what they get away with because of the blue code. There is too much allowance of the blue code, and I've had it happen to me. I have a permit in hand or the, uh, the city ordinance, and I'm preaching the gospel, and they come in my face. They yell, and it's not everyone, maybe one out of 100. They come, and they say, stop this now. You've got to go. And I'm like, you haven't even asked me if I have permission to be here. You're not even understanding that I do. And then when I show it to them, and I say, I can be here, but you have to ask me if I'm too loud to turn it down. And they go, oh, well, that's what I meant. Just turn it down. And I'm like, now you're lying. And then they try to catch me lying. They said, oh, see, you didn't turn it down. And we did turn it down. I mean, we get into this game with them. Why? Because some in the blue uniforms don't have the right heart to work that job. They need to go flipping hamburgers. They, just like some people don't need to be pastors. Because once they become a pastor and they counsel one woman, they think now they have the right to have sex with that woman. Or because people put money in an offering, now they're going to steal that offering. So just like I don't think everybody should be a pastor, I don't think everybody should be a police officer. Some of y'all can't handle that authority. So yes, I agree with that. But how do we know whether or not our hearts are hard? We have to come to Jesus and discern, do we have the right heart? Am I thinking about this the right way? Am I understanding this the right way? Because how many know I can find a bunch of people like me that will think exactly the way I do? Just go to a white bar in Dundee, Illinois, right out in the suburbs, and he'll call every one of them animals, won't he? Won't there be some white racist people in the suburbs? Y'all getting quiet on me now. How many know I can find people look just like me to say whatever I want them to say? But I'm not listening to them. Just like you can find somebody to say what you want to say. All white people are like that. All black people are like that. All Mexicans are like that. All Guatemalans, whatever. That's not what we're supposed to do. Is just go listen to everybody who sounds like us. And some of you might have been raised by racist parents. We go back to the word of God, lest our hearts stay hard. All of us are born with a hard heart in one way or another, whether it's been this sin or another sin. And we need Jesus to change our heart. Can I hear an Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, quickly in closing. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says this is what it would be like in the end times. This is what it would be like. It would be terrible. I hope many of you are going back to the messages that I have preached prior to this 
and see that in the last days, we have been, uh, uh, in these last few weeks, we've been preparing you for these times. We talked about what these times would be like. Now, of course, when you're living through them, they're, they're much more difficult than when you're talking about them. But look at what the Bible says. But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. They'll be lovers of themselves. See, why aren't they breaking down, uh, like in Chicago, why aren't they breaking down the stores that maybe would give medical supplies? You know, I, I, I was around during Hurricane Katrina, not literally in New Orleans, but I, I remember that. And if, if you have no food and your whole place is flooded out, how many know you're going to break down a building and get some food? <laughs> but how many know during that time there were still people stealing TVs? <laughs> they didn't even have electricity and they were stealing TVs. I'm being honest with you. They were stealing works of art in downtown. They had to put armed people down there. Because why? People will be lovers of themselves. It's not like they're tearing down something that has anything to do with an unjust law. They're tearing down things that help them. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Now, would you please go to the notes? I think you should still have it. Yeah, now go down all the way to my other slide there. Thank you. That one's where we're going to end today. I don't know about you, but I've been seeing the consequences of an ungodly society, and it's been making me sick. It's been making me sick. Politicians who make unjust laws... Makes me sick. They wear suits. They might look more sophisticated, but they have no concern for people like you and I. They're making laws that oppress us. They're making laws that turn us against each other. And yet, we're wondering, how did we get in this situation? It's because we stopped voting according to our conscience. We need to get wicked politicians out of their jobs. If all the Christians, just listen to me right now. I have nothing against Muslims in the sense of being my neighbor. I have Muslim neighbors. I have Hindu neighbors. I am not saying anything about who they are as people. But there is no worldview that is as good as the Bible. There is no worldview as good as this. Why aren't we voting then? Why aren't we as Christians just voting according to this? Why, why are we all divided on how we vote? If we just came together, 50% of us, 60%, we are such a large majority in this country. And we just started voting the mayors in that we wanted, the governors. We would change the entire outlook of communities. But so many of you have been discouraged. You don't think voting matters anymore. It doesn't, it, you know, church shouldn't be in politics. And we get this whole idea that we're just going to keep handing it off to these corrupt people. Like Bogoyevich. That guy looks like me, but that guy is a crook unlike me. I don't want more Bogoyevich. How do you even say his name? Blagoyevich. I don't want more like him. Do you understand? I don't care if the person looked like Mayor Lightfoot, but if they were righteous, if they were holy, if they wanted to do what's right, they would have my vote. Wouldn't they have your vote? Let's change the laws through our votes. Number two, police violating people's freedoms. It's not just 
the murderous violation of our rights. It's all kinds of rights happening right now. The police in so many ways have become unhinged because we as righteous folks have not stood up for what is right in our culture and society. And so I volunteer to be on a committee to help police the police. I volunteer to sit down. I am now talking with the deputy chief to get ordinances straight that we already have in our favor as Christians in churches. But I have to go all the way up to the top, and I'm not going to lose his number. I'm going to keep a hold of him. Amen? And, and once again, even if, and let's just be realistic, even if only one pastor out of 100 is bad, how many pastors are there in the city? That's enough to make our lives miserable. Even if only 1% out of 600,000 police officers are bad, that's enough to make our lives miserable. We need to fix this problem. Amen? And then next, criminals giving no regard for life. Five-year-old girl gets shot. And of course, they're going to call the police for that. Police are evil people until we need them. <laughs> because who's going to stop the one shooting your five-year-old girl? See, that's where you need the other 99% of those police, right? Because we don't believe in vigilante justice. And criminals, they don't care about children. They don't care about who they're shooting up in the block. They don't care who they're stealing from. Some of you came from Latin American countries. You know what the drug cartels were like. You know what's going on in Mexico right now. You know what's going on in these certain parts of the world, people getting kidnapped. And no mercy. Torture them, torture their children. That's the mind of a criminal. Doesn't matter what culture they are of. Why don't we do something about this? We all know the drug dealer. We all know the bad neighborhood. We all know the people in our block that are doing what they're doing. We need to be vigilant and making sure our neighborhood stays safe making sure that we walk our streets and make sure that we do what's right. I'm not talking about profiling and, and being a Karen or whatever they call those people who get upset about somebody barbecuing in their neighborhood or asking some person of color to leave your, you leave your block. That's stupid. I'm talking about real crime. I'm talking about real issues. We have to do something about that. And then lastly, doctors murdering unborn children? What a sin. What a wicked thing in our nation. We need to go to the abortion clinics and help get the mothers from murdering their children and adopt those children. We need to preach against it. We need to tell our friends and family, this is not just. Don't do it, cousin. Don't do it, friend. My wife working at the bank crossed the line from coworker to preacher and told a woman at the bank, don't get an abortion. Keep your child. And I thank God today she is a mother of that child. From the bank, from the bank, using our influence to cast down the wickedness of this society. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to read out this portion of scripture. Would you come out of that, please? As I read this portion of scripture, I really want to encourage everyone to listen to what the prophet said. The prophet understood that there would be times like this, and he has given us a cry for justice. This is the cry for justice. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case 
with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They can't cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds. The acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them them will find peace. So justice is far from us. And righteousness does not reach us. We look for it, but all is darkness for brightness. But we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if we were in twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none for deliverance, but it is far away. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuts, whoever shuns evil becomes prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene, so his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. Talking about Jesus. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood, like the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I put in your mouth will always be on your lips and the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Can you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? That's what we're going to do. Without Jesus, we can have no justice. He did for us what we could not do. Let us pray for our nation, but first let us pray for ourselves. Look at your heart, Father. Look at, look at each one of our lives and show us who we are. 
Have we been unjust? Have we been unrighteous? Have we broken your commands? Have we hated when we should have forgiven? Have we been apathetic when we should have been zealous? Have we stolen when we should have shared? Have we been covetous when we should have wanted the best for our friends and neighbors? Lord, have we worshiped false gods and idols? Search our hearts and change us, O God. Make us like you today, God, righteous and holy so that we can justly stand for your kingdom. A few moments right now, search your heart. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, repent of your sins, lest you be hypocrites.